You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 65, which doesn't feel as important as 64 did. No, well, you were an N64 guy. Yeah, that's you true. Know, like we discussed. So it's, and the first episode was really important for you as a PS1 guy. That's uh, true. And, you know, uh, next week's will be special because uh, Order 66 is the way uh, all the Jedi were executed. Oh, so, great. So, yeah. well, it's, I, that probably would not have leapt to the forefront of my mind if today wasn't May the 4th. That's true. So we got some follow-up today, and uh, you've got this story about rejected Pebble apps in Apple's App Store, and I have a preemptive follow-up to the follow-up. Yeah, I really love your notes. That's where you declared it exactly that way. It's like, oh, nice follow-up lines. Wrong. Here's my follow-up first. (laughs) So before you even get to start, um, this still doesn't necessarily look good for Apple because this is a tired story of them banning things and then backtracking when the press gets too strong, Um, which I say keep up the good work press, like embarrass Apple when they do this stuff. Um, so the story is that, uh, you know, steal your thunder on that too, is that apps that were mentioning support for the Pebble, whether or not it was implemented, if it was just in their code mentioning other mobile platforms is the, the ordinance that wasn't followed. Um, Apple reserves the right to reject your app for that. And, uh, the, the follow-up is that whether due to scandalous press coverage or not, um, that Apple had gotten in touch with these developers and said, all right, let's work this out. Let's, you know, you're not banned. We'll, we'll get you approved. Let's figure this out. And, but it, it kind of still remains. I think it's not like they revised their policies, so they still kind of reserve the right to, if you're going to you know, talk about other platforms in your app, we might just say goodbye. Yeah, which seems just, I mean, so, I guess, sketchy. Like, it just seems really kind of crappy of them to say, like, well, we reserve the right to ban anyone for any reason ever. And you're like, okay, that's fine. It's your platform. But if people complain enough, then, you know, we'll probably go back on it because we want you to love us. It just, it, I don't know. It seems like they want to say like, no, the Apple watch paired with an iPhone is the correct experience. And that's what we want you to have. But if you, you know, cry and whine and we get a bunch of negative articles on the verge, then okay, you can have your pebble apps back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's, these ones always seem really like, Oh, let's get the conspiracy theory together. They're, they're trying to, you know, nip other mobile platforms before they get any prominence. Which may be true, um, but then there's the weird stuff where it like, doesn't make any sense, and it's like, why are you, stop, Apple. <laughs> um, and some of this was like, you know, some otherwise, like you would expect them to be beloved by Apple, like the, the fanboy companies that always make their apps only for Apple stuff, and when they get banned for weird reasons, and they're like, WTF, I thought we loved each other. And uh, <laughs> um, I, I forget which app it was, but there was one that would put a calculator in. So iOS 8 introduced widgets, but not on your home screen, but rather in your, your pull-down notification shade, you can have widgets that show up there. 
And you ever actually use any of those? Because that seems like a weird as an Android user, I would not want a widget all crammed up in there. No, fuck all that. I don't use I don't <laughs> use anything from the top shade in especially not now that I have the watch, because the watch is my notification shade now. Um but so I mean one of these apps put a calculator in there and apparently that was too fancy. It was like you know, you're, you were taking a test from the Today tab, and it was like, hey, no calculators in this test. <laughs> so so that, that was like, that just got them banned because they put a calculator in? That was it? Yeah, and it was just like <laughs> mysterious, like unclear policy. On, it was just like, hey, don't do that. And then press, and then stuff, and then unbanned, and then just kidding, it's cool. And like, whether it's nefarious or just incompetence in the review process either way it's just the story keeps happening well this feels like this happened even way back to when the iphone was relatively new they were like no browsers and then they're like okay browsers but you're not allowed access to the full rendering engine they're like oh you want to put a mail client on there no the phone already does mail no mail clients and every single time that i can think of they've ended up being like well Okay, <laughs> like, like they always, I, it almost seems like they use it as uh, like controversy press. Like, oh, people will will ban something stupid like a calculator widget. People will talk about us. We'll unban it. Then they get what they want, and we got even more free press than we normally get. I don't think you want this kind of press, though. And then, but, but hey, hey, there's there's no such thing as bad publicity, publicity, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> There's none of that unless <laughs> unless you can't say the word publicity then then you're yeah, shamed I'm just forever. Gonna, I'm going to put that part on SoundCloud. So. <laughs> just be be advised. <laughs> um and I'm actually I'm going to jump ahead uh in the follow up here uh to one of our our show topics just cuz it's directly related but apparently um Apple's banning watch apps that are watches. Yeah. So this I mean how many watch faces are there? Do you happen to know? There's like about maybe eight or ten different kinds. Yeah, so it's not a lot. And people were making watch apps that were basically just watch faces with like maybe one or two extra features. And uh, apparently Apple just put the ban hammer on that. They were like, nope, because that's a way for you to get crappy watch faces into the store and we're not going to allow that. Yeah. Um, to be fair, like the way apps work on the, the watch... I don't know why you would want a watch app. Like I get why you'd want other watch faces. Like Apple should when they, you know, as they mature their their development kit, they should make it possible for third-party watch faces. But the apps are like bar- like relatively buried in the interface. You have to leave your normal watch face and go to the app grid and then wait while it loads the app over your phone. And it's just like, anytime I'm going to check the time, am I going to want to put up with that? No. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, now you have to lift your wrist up so that it wakes the screen up, then scroll through the honeycomb to find the watch app. And isn't the watch face is the default screen, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a toggle in the settings if you'd rather it be wherever you left off. But I think the right answer for most people is watch face should be. Oh, but but wait... See, th- this part I did not know. So could you make one of those watch apps the thing? If that was the last thing you did, it, it would just go there when you when you woke the screen up? Yeah. 
So, okay. So, I mean, that's still, that's not a great experience because that means you always have to manually go back to that yeah. crappy watch app, but <laughs> it would circumvent the watch face exclusion. Well, let me just say some claim chowder that we can return <laughs> to in a year. Um, I severely doubt that. Uh, here's my prediction Apple will make it possible for developers to make watch faces in a year or so. Maybe sooner. I don't know. You heard it here. I just. Um... It'll eventually happen and it won't be an app. It'll be part of the watch face part of the interface. And Well, the argument that I heard against custom watch faces, like why they don't want to allow that, is because the watch faces they have are very expertly designed to fit on the screen and everything is like ultra high res so that it looks super crisp. So I can imagine them opening this up soon and just having really strict guidelines. Like, oh, <laughs> if you want to make a watch face, it needs to be this certain resolution. It needs to have, you know, whatever characteristics. Did you know that the extra crap on a watch face is called a complication? Yeah, which is I, wonderful. <laughs> until the, the Apple Watch, I did not know that that is like, that is a chronograph term. The like official if you, word is complicating yeah, if, your watch. If, if you're a big watch person, like you've already known that, but to the rest of us plebeians, it's like when they got up and they did the announcement, they were like, you can add all these complications. I was like, wait, what did they just call it? So I don't know. I think you're right. It it'll be a year or less. But I that my my prediction onto your prediction to go with your follow up on my follow up was uh, they will be really strict about the appearance. Um, I just I think they're really trying to drive that like high end yeah. jewelry thing. And if this if you know you wake up your Apple Watch and the screen looks like garbage because it's like a yeah. 400 by 600 resolution image it's not good well and that's the other argument like this is the first watch and they want to control it at least now and once everyone's like haha apple watch i love it um <laughs> then like the product's established and you can let all these grubby app developers make ugly things for your system i mean how terrible <laughs> that people want to develop for your platform but <laughs> Well, but what makes a club more exclusive if everybody's inside having a good time or if there's a huge line around yeah. the block? Like, yeah, I mean, like that's you're, you're human a, psychology. You're a guy, you can't get in the club unless you bring three girls with you or something. Yeah. God, we're, we're such my greatest uh, confusion about human beings is that you can be aware of a cognitive bias and you are still powerless to fight it. Like you're just you're just watching yourself from like a third person perspective do a stupid thing and you're like I know I don't really want to do this but I can't yeah. stop myself. You're just giving pretty people more credibility and you're just like no like the, <laughs> the thing they said is still wrong. <laughs> I'm glad that that's the the one cognitive bias you picked. All those damn pretty people. Um. So. Uh, I can't remember. We got this, I think, from a, a follower on Twitter, this digits.co. Do you remember who sent this in? Um, some some delightful Twitter follower. That was Zach Suberling. Oh, well, thank you, Zach. Um, I don't know how you found that so fast. That was capital work. Um, <laughs> but uh, this digits thing, so we we talked a few weeks ago about the like automated savings, and uh, and Justin came on to talk about like having a big button, you know, you slap the button or we, we decided you should high five the button. Yeah. You, you high five the button and it like puts $5 into your savings account, but boom. And 
you know, savings has now been made fun and gamified and all that other crap. And uh, Zach shared this digits.co, which is um, you give it access to your bank accounts, which is always like kind of scary, but you, uh, you know, you, you let it dial in like you would with mint and it takes money out based on your spending habits. And that seems really scary to me. <laughs> yeah. Cause as soon as I saw that, I was like, wait, so if today you were expecting to transfer $5, cause I normally don't buy anything on, you know, Wednesday afternoons or whatever, but then I, you know, buy a couch are you are you still going to make the transfer or do you check to make sure I have the money and that my spending habits haven't changed in your algorithm like right before you do it? Like yeah. how often are you checking? How complicated is this system? You know, if it's just something as simple as like, oh, you normally maintain a balance of a thousand dollars and you still have a thousand dollars. So it's safe for me to transfer five dollars like that's pretty safe because then if you make a big purchase, it'll back off. But if it's doing like complicated voodoo on the back end, this just seems like overdraft fee nightmare. Yeah. And so I got two responses. And the first is that people who are good with their finances wouldn't encounter that problem because they would buy a couch from savings or, you know, they would have money set aside. But then again, this thing seems designed for people who aren't good at managing their money. So maybe that's not a good response. Um, and, uh, damn it, I lost the second thing. <laughs> oh, couldn't, couldn't your concern be covered by, um, let's say if, if this app is going to save more than a certain threshold, like if you go above 50 bucks of saving, like, you know, you slap the button 10 times in a day, and you're just really happy. Um, <laughs> it'll check with you first. It'll be like, dude, really $500 to savings? Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of creative ways you could handle this, but it also, like with, with this digits.co thing, it kind of feels like the kind of person who would set up a complicated app I mean, the, the app may be simple to use, but like set up this, this algorithm to like help them save money is probably already thinking about saving money and probably already saves money. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's like a, the rich get richer sort of problem. Like I, I can't remember what you call that kind of paradox, but it's like the people who would go for this kind of solution don't need it. And the people (laughs) who need the solution wouldn't even think to install an app to help them manage their money because you know, it's, I mean, it's a complicated problem, but and really, there, we just need that high five button. I do think there is a sizable population of people who don't even, they've never changed their home screen layout. They've never downloaded an app. It's kind of amazing that they have contacts in their phone. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've mingled with some of those people this weekend and it's like, oh, like getting Instagram on your phone was like, an, you were like, this is an achievement. Like, whoa, I added Instagram. Yeah, it's uh, there's a whole other world out there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, there are people who have no idea they can make their iPhone stop declaring that it's an iPhone every time they send an email. <laughs> it's and because you know, like I hate to say it, and it's not a negative thing necessarily, but like you get an email from someone and says like sent from my iPhone or sent from my iPad or sent from my Galaxy S6 or whatever, like. With LTE on Verizon, with the Edge, blah, 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 like eight extra things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Samsung. They have to 
bolt on a bunch of crap but but i mean that like when you see that that's like one of those little markers it's like someone who still uses yahoo mail or or god forbid like aol mail like you see that and you're like oh sent from my ipad okay you're that person like it's okay you're you're allowed to be that person but i now feel like i know something about the kind of way you handle technology yeah so this other thing uh this crazy follow-up um from uh, our own Matt Duncan, actually. Apparently, the color... So I guessed at what... Uh, fuchsia t- is what you said. I did say fuchsia, and uh, I was wrong. It's magenta, um, which technically is the correct name for pink. Um, but let's not split hairs here. Uh, but the reason that Matt was so sure that magenta is the color is because T-Mobile tried to, like, copyright the color pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you, you can't do that. You can't have an entire wavelength. No copyright intended. So fuchsia is <laughs> just lighter. It's in between hot pink and magenta. Oh, God. This, and you know what's even worse about this is each uh, like coloring scheme has different names for the same sorts of colors. And then there's like governing bodies that try and regulate all this crap. It's a mess. But... I do know, I remember from like eighth grade science that magenta is the actual correct name for pink. I don't remember why pink is not considered a correct name, but I remember like that useless little factoid. Is pink from the era when flesh was a crayon? Uh, the the maybe. racist flesh it, crayon? I mean, it's, it, it's at least that old. It may be older than that. Uh, it's Can you when... believe that, that was actually a thing? There was a time <laughs> when all crayons were racist. <laughs> Um, everything was and still is racist. <laughs> so tell me about uh, uh, the McDonald's hamburger menu. What's happening there? Oh, I don't have an article link. I just saw a tweet about it. I saw a comedian <laughs> joking about it. And so this was the Sklar Brothers. So I, I can do some live research right now. Um, <laughs> but their joke was, so the headline is that McDonald's is simplifying um, simplifying their menu to keep up with modern taste. And uh, the Scarborough's joke was, yeah, the menu, that's what's keeping us from McDonald's. It's just too complicated to order something. <laughs> that's why we don't go there. <laughs> no, that's, uh, it's actually funny because this morning um, I had to get on an airplane very early and I'm walking through the airport and I passed a McDonald's and sure enough, they had their breakfast menu up and they also had a burger menu up and it was like, 5 30 in the morning <laughs> and i was like oh dear god i could walk over there right now and hand them a dollar and get back a cheeseburger at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> and i mean we talked when we were joking about this before it's like it feels like that shouldn't be a big deal but somehow it is and actually uh one of our listeners christoph shared a uh, a gif that I, I linked to in the show notes that you can find at uh, sunrise robot.net slash flipping table slash 65 and it's a it's a mashup of the the burger menu announcement from uh, I think this is from Burger King and then the crying Indian ad from the eighty or yeah the keep early America 90s. beautiful pollution ad yeah which is particularly poignant as a mashup because I'm pretty sure that the garbage that people in the commercial throw out their window is like a styrofoam hamburger container <laughs> so it's it is both poignant and hilarious yep. So go go to this tweet and watch that gif at least four times. Oh yeah, no, I've just had it on cycle for like the last ten minutes. Yeah. Um, is, and is, then speaking of excellent gifs, 
Did you, did you get a chance to look at this game? Do you want to play this game? I want to own one of these machines. Yes. I don't know how this is follow-up, but I want, it, I want you to talk about this. So uh, another one of our listeners shared its follow up just because I was like, I don't know, like this is response to the show as like a concept. So (laughs) I was like, I don't know where else to put this, but it's meta follow up. It is. It looks like a Japanese arcade game. The camera is a little shaky. It's hard to read the writing on the the machine. It's definitely not English, Um, (laughs) but it's it's either Japanese or, or Chinese maybe, but it's, it's an arcade game where the only controller is a table and you slap the table, which makes your character stand up in anger. And all the little avatars on the screen look at you like when they realize you're upset. <laughs> and then you actually grab the underside of the table controller and flip the table. And the objective is to do as much damage to the room as possible. <laughs> I just there's no it seems like there's no niche that Japanese developers wouldn't wouldn't go to in, in creating an arcade game. There's going to be like a game you're a teenager and your parents just grounded you and you're yelling in anger and they'll be like yell at your parents the game yeah and i mean there's a reason arcade games are still more successful there because they you know you would you might walk up to this and if it costs like a buck you might do it four or five times and then just boom you're out five dollars like <laughs> the the machine is probably not super complicated the software certainly doesn't look terribly it complicated looks really satisfying though like because of the the right after you flip the table on screen the the virtual table also flips and all this stuff goes flying in the air and like it's breaking a window or something and all these dishes are falling and yeah it's it's amazing and i just i love that it's not just like in a field it's not just like a generic physics demo like there is an objective like you're trying to do as much damage as possible and the fact that you have to slap the table like to because you're getting <laughs> up in anger like you're sitting with the people and then it's like boom no and then, like and the look on the guy's face there's because the the person who's shooting this kind of like pans over to the player for just a second and he just he looks like so self-satisfied <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> He's so happy. Uh, I love it. This I'm just going to leave this up while we do the whole rest of the show. So I hope <laughs> I hope I have everything else memorized because this is just it. Yep. And and that came from Amy. Thank you, Amy. So keeping the, the follow up train going. Um, so we talked about was it last episode about the button? I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so the button was this Reddit, this new subreddit with this button, and you could press it, and it was sort of like this weird meta game with no clear instructions, and you would tap the button, but if someone else tapped it before you, this timer would reset, and you'd get a different color based on how low the time was when you'd slap the button, and people didn't stop caring about this. They got even weirder with it. So <laughs> what did they do? Uh, so for one thing, I have to say people have actually now gotten under 10 seconds, but it still hasn't hit zero. So there are now people with red flare, um, but it, th- nobody has, has actually let it get all the way down to zero yet. And, uh, apparently now, according to this Gizmodo article, uh, people are basically forming like mild religions around this, like, uh, apparently you call these pop culture religions when it's centered around something completely stupid that no one actually believes in. That's a pop culture religion. And, uh, it's not just that they're doing this that I thought was interesting. It's that there are like dozens of them. <laughs> like there's people who are like worshiping, uh, not pressing the button. 
Then there are other people who are worshiping not pressing the button because they want to be on the side of non-pressers when it eventually reaches zero, but <laughs> they're afraid they're going to be confused with people who didn't press it for other reasons. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you have multiple factions for each color, and then you have people who are like, we should all get along, and it's, I mean, it's it's, you know, stupid kids and stupid adults being stupid kids and stupid adults, but it just the sheer brain power that goes into this nonsense is like, it, it's like uh, you ever see like the gene folding app you can like leave running on your computer. And yeah. when you're not using it, it uses the extra cycles. It, it's, it's like these people could be being productive members of society, but instead they're like, what if I spent 20 minutes writing about a religion centered around a button? I mean, it's not hurting anything. It's certainly fun to read about and to kind of half participate in from a distance, but it's just so weird. Like at the time this article was written on Gizmodo on uh, what the first, so four days ago, this uh, there were over two dozen major groups represented. Like there's the followers of the shade and the gray hopeful like the hitchhikers, <laughs> which are people who specifically tried to press it at 42 seconds as a tribute to uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Like it's, these are crazy people, man. Like this is the amazing thing about the internet is you have access to like the vast majority of humanity. So no matter how niche your little thing is, you will find other people who agree with it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just displaying how humans love dividing themselves up. And for very for any arbitrary reason, what's up with that? Why do we do that? <laughs> Is it just like leftover monkey brain tribal stuff? I don't know. I, I don't have a good theory. I I do think <laughs> people just love. I maybe we're one of the earliest creatures that really pays attention to patterns and notices differences between things um, to like an extreme degree, and so also this weird instinct to collect things. So. Somehow well, that just that's turns because into- collecting things is amazing. You want to talk about something that Japan kicks our ass at? It is collecting things. Uh, everything's got to be collectible. Pleasant side effect of that is they also collect like weird things like candy wrappers, which means they have all kinds of amazing candy flavors we don't have in the States. So if you go to like an Asian food store or grocery store or something, sometimes you can get like green tea Kit Kats, which are awesome. There's a whole story behind the Kit Kat thing, but I won't bore you with it right now. What I'd rather find out about is one. I want to tell you about some crazy hardware stuff, but first I want to know about the Apple watch. Has this completely taken over your life? You've had it for a week now. It, it kind of has a little bit. And the, the main thing I want to talk about is that the, the weird placebo of the fitness tracking because I'm I'm not Mr. Fitness. I've never worn a Fitbit or anything else. The Pebble only did like um, it did step counting if I installed an app, but there was not really much native to it that kind of encouraged fitness. Um, my phone does step counting, but I don't carry my phone all the time. And so the, um, Apple's really done this weird number on me with this. You know, it's these three metrics, and they're represented by these different colored circles that fill up throughout the day. And I really want to fill them up every day. And it's so, and, and what are they? It's, well, steps has got to be one of them. What are the other no, two? No, it's not steps in particular. Oh, it's not. Um, 
So calories, so this is the move goal, and it asks you the first time you open it, like, are you a lazy person, are you moderately <laughs> active, or are you like an athlete and you want us to like push you really hard? Um, so I, I have a, a move goal of 700 calories, and this is distinguished from at rest calories, so just sitting okay. around all day, even if I burn over 1,000 calories just by existing, um, <laughs> it doesn't count towards that. It, it has to, with a measured heartbeat, know that I'm intentionally exercising or you know carrying furniture around or something. Um, so there's a calorie goal, there's a active fitness goal, so 30 minutes of an elevated heartbeat, basically, um, concentrated. And then there's standing up every hour. So if you... You know, even if you exercise really great in the morning, but then the rest of the day you lay on the couch and eat Doritos, you're still going to die. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you ran in the morning. If you spend the entire rest of the day being sedentary, it kind of doesn't matter. It's um, true. That's why uh, standing desks have all gotten popular. Yeah. So if I so the the nice thing is the watch doesn't bother me unless I'm I'm failing. So <laughs> um, if I go fifty minutes of an hour, it's three fifty, and I have clearly not moved in fifty minutes, then it'll be like, hey, buddy, why don't you you know take a break, walk around a bit? Um, oh my God! So it's like the Nintendo DS, like hey, uh, <laughs> it shows an open window with the, the breeze. <laughs> yeah, go go do out do something outside maybe. But if I am walking around, then it never bothers me. It just tracks it and is like, yeah, you got this hour. I don't need to tell him anything. Um, so it opts for shaming instead of praising. <laughs> yeah, and you can turn that off if you're like, hey, don't bother me. Um, and, and none of this like is gra- like there's other fitness trackers do this stuff. They track your steps. Some of them can measure your heartbeat, and you can set different ways they notify you or tell you to do these things. I've just never owned one, and so maybe I'm just praising the concept, but. Um, yeah, I, I look at these rings and I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to get it today. I'm going to get it. Like it's 11 PM and I'm, I'm not tired. I'm going to go walk cause I want this circle filled. And so that, that whole placebo and that, that weird human nature of like, I just want to collect complete circles. And so I was going to compare <laughs> it to like Seinfeld's motivational thing about like, you know, do the thing you say you want to do every day and put a big red X on a calendar. Yeah. And the, uh, don't break the streak. Exactly. So, you know, I've got like a streak of four days of, you know, a full three circles and I'm like, I don't want to break it. So it's working. No, I, and I think this is good. Cause I mean, you are the exact person who i mean from your own admission like you are the exact kind of person that this can stand to benefit someone who has a standing desk or a treadmill pewter and they you know they work out before work and they work out after work and then in their sleep they are lifting weights somehow with like complicated pulleys <laughs> like that person does not need to be told like oh hey buddy you've been you've been sitting around for 50 minutes because they probably never stop moving right yeah so like the fitness aspects of the apple watch for that person <clears throat> it may be beneficial but it's not um like the dramatic change in their lifestyle because they already have such an active life whereas you know, for you or for, for someone, you know, a, a regular person, it's a, <laughs> it's more like, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, yeah, you, you could probably stand to move a little bit more. What if, what if we just move a little bit more? Like, Hey, you haven't moved in close to an hour. Let, let's maybe move a little bit. You know, that like makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, I consider myself a fairly active person and even I really like those kind of just general, like, Hey buddy, 
you want to uh, get up off that fat ass for five <laughs> seconds? You've been on the couch for a while. Yeah. I mean, I mean you said it like sit, you know, going to the gym for two hours after sitting for 11 hours is not good for you. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the other thing is um, I still want to like reiterate that the reviews complaining about flaws are not wrong. Third-party apps suck right now. They're slow. They're relying on the phone. Kind of the reliance on the phone thing, um, especially for third-party apps, is not great. And um, But I still... I do find that I, I leave my phone on the nightstand or on the, the counter and I don't constantly pull it out anymore. And I mean, again, this is a week, which is better than like the day of where I'm like, this new shiny thing. Um, <laughs> but it feels like psychologically like I can leave my phone and not worry about it. And if something really important does happen, I'll know about it. And I can very quickly go, okay, time to find my phone or a laptop. But I I don't feel like I have to carry my phone with me 24/7. Yeah, and it's actually so I'm I'm going to derail what you're talking about and talk about my thing. Um so I've been using uh I'm I'm borrowing your Pebble again in in preparation for getting the Pebble time when it ships um soon, fingers crossed. And I don't know what has changed from the last time I used it to this time, but I'm like way happier with it. And I think maybe I just set it up a little bit better. Um, it might be, you know, better control over notifications. But I found that when I was using this as a fitness tracker, I was a lot more willing to not have my phone in my pocket. Because, like, I use Google Fit on my phone, but if it's not on me, then it's not counting those steps. And there have been times that I've been – because my house is is a narrow three-flight – so I'll run up and down the stairs like four or five times because I forgot something or I'm like carrying boxes down or whatever. And then like midway through, I'm like, oh, my phone's not in my pocket. Yeah. Now it's like those steps didn't even happen. <laughs> <laughs> you just and But you feel like such an idiot because you're like the phone being on me is not what made that good exercise. The yeah. running up and down three flights of stairs half a dozen well, times. It's like if I didn't post what I did to social media, did I really do it? <laughs> Exactly. If I did not Instagram this hamburger, did I eat this hamburger for breakfast? So it's, I don't, I don't know what the big difference is with the pebble this time, but I, I think it, it's the having notifications set up and, uh, kind of the lead off of that is, um, I've had to start using an iPad recently for the, this, my newest venture. And, uh, I've never used an iOS device for this extended of a period. I mean, I've only had it for a week, but you know, I've only ever really used iOS devices for like a few minutes or maybe an hour or two. And I got to say, it, it's an iPad Air 2, which means it's got the Touch ID. Yeah. And um, I'm, I immediately became married to that. <laughs> like, I just, I can now, every time I have to unlock my phone, like I'm an just animal. Like, <laughs> like an animal. Every single, and my passcode is not even that complicated. Like, it's longer than the standard four digit because I feel like that's just too short. But, it's like every time I'm just like, uh, <laughs> and because I mean the touch ID is it works so well. I think I've had it fail once in the week that I've been using it. Like I I did both of my thumbs and my index fingers. It's just oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> so, but, but besides all that, um, I have to say like I'm really impressed with iOS like as an operating system. It's 
it's super buttery. Like everything seems to be really, really fast. I mean, granted, this is like their newest hardware running, yeah. you know, the latest and greatest, but it's it's pretty damn nice. Like I can understand why putting this in front of someone and being like, this is what a tablet is marries them to Apple stuff forever. Because if you gave someone like a bottom basement Costco Android tablet after using any iPad, they're going to be like, what is this? Yeah. And that's the struggle because there are obviously there are good Android tablets, but yeah, I have a 2013 Nexus seven that I love. But if, if like represent, it's sort of like the guy representing your team is not, not your best guy. And he's the one who's like in front of cameras yelling going, and you're like, Oh, you're the hundred dollar <laughs> Android tablet. Please stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, you know, I guess it is just all about that target market because, I mean, Apple is going after a very different user than Google is with Android. And and I can't tell you how many people I know that have Android phones and I'm like, you know, oh, I, you have an Android phone, but there's a big ugly case on it. Which model is that? And they're like, oh, it's the the black rectangular model. I'm like, you have no idea. Like, you don't know what company <laughs> made that. You don't know what version of the operating system it's running and you know it's fine like they wake up every day and the world keeps spinning but it's like i can't imagine having a device and not knowing anything about it just like you know people who are big motorheads are like yeah i know every nut and bolt in my car and i know exactly which factory in japan the engine was made in and i'm just like but does it turn on and go drive drive like that's that's all i need my car to do yeah but I'm I'm getting I'm pretty I'm actually I'm I'm playing with the screen right now because it's all parallaxy. It's like it's like ooh, but it, it's uh, that, that useless parallax scrolling. To- totally useless. I have to say there are some little uh, paper cuts coming from Android where like I use Pocket a lot. Like that's how I save all my articles to read later. And I was in Twitter and I wanted to save something to Pocket, so I installed Pocket and then. It's like a 12 step process to put pocket into the share menu. Yeah. And then it's like five more steps to specifically give Twitter access to saving stuff to pocket as its default. Read it later. I was just like, holy crap. Why is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, and why did you not just register at the time I installed you? That's why I installed you. <laughs> and the other mind blowing thing is that the share menu only had these third party things added in iOS eight the yeah. latest iOS and yeah, it's brand uh, new even then you can only reorder in the second class citizens box they're yep. still behind all the apple like print and whatever <laughs> like um i love one password integration in iOS it's fucking amazing but it's still <laughs> i still every time i have to scroll past print to get to one password i'm like come on i'm never going to print from my tablet never yeah seriously <laughs> You'll actually, I will, so post-show, I will need you to help me with with 1Password on iOS because I, I know it does a deeper integration than what I have set up. And I'm like, this is super convenient with the Touch ID, but it could be more convenienter. Like, <laughs> I, I need to, I, I'm not maximizing my laziness, and that offends me. <laughs> um, shall we get to the real show? I think we should, I, but I, I, you know, I enjoyed that follow-up. Thank you for being a part of that with me. 
We're we're, <laughs> we're going to be like accidental tech podcasts where our follow up is longer than the show eventually. Man, you know what? Is that making uh, it or is that failing? That is. Tell. As long as people keep sending me amazing gifts of crying Indians and Japanese arcade games, I say follow up is awesome. All right. Um, so Valve, Valve had a scandal recently. Yeah, it lasted all of four days. That's <laughs> that is how you get stuff done. Scandal, news cycle. The CEO fixed it. Done. So t- tell tell me what happened here. So Valve had this bright idea, which you know, in the abstract, may not sound like a bad idea which was to kind of build a marketplace around mods to games. So you could take maybe, say, a popular um, fantasy game and set up a way for people to create and sell mods and then give a cut to the publisher and maybe take a cut yourself. And everyone's happy and the market kind of figures out the pricing. Uh, No, super outrage. Am I getting that right? Yeah, you are getting that right. And I think what's interesting about it is so for anybody who who plays games and somehow does not know about Steam, um Valve is the company behind Steam, but they're also behind the the company behind a lot of gaming innovations that we now take completely for granted um because they made uh Half-Life and um what what was the uh, Counter-Strike? Counter-Strike was originally Half-Life 2. Yeah, but those were both Half-Life mods, right? Uh yeah. And then yeah, and then they spun out into like full franchises and they've just done so much to support like the gaming community cuz and you can see in all the articles about this like people are not offended just because Valve was trying to take a cut and the publishers were going to get a cut. People were offended because they were like, "We thought you were our friend." <laughs> like they took this really personally and uh one of the the points that I thought was really interesting that somebody raised was the modding community is very much like the remix community or the open source community. Like it's kind of predicated on everything is free and we're a big hippie commune who shares everything. And I'm really happy that there are people that see the world like that and give their time and their talent for free. That's deeply appreciated. However, when you go into that community and you tell the potter like, oh, hey, um, I'm willing to buy your pots for $10 a piece, then the guy who digs the clay out of the, the riverbed is suddenly like, wait, what now? I But he can't make those pots without my clay. And then it's like who actually owns the product and who deserves the money. Yeah. And like when you try and introduce a monetization chain into a hippie commune, it like really falls apart. And uh, there's this amazing quote in here from uh, Gaben himself that I'm actually just going to read verbatim. So he, uh, he, this was his response on Reddit. He did an AMA to talk about uh, the, the mod shop that they opened, and this was his response. Let's assume for a second that we are stupidly greedy. So far, the paid mods have generated $10,000 total. That's like 1% of the cost of the incremental email the program has generated for Valve employees. Yes, I mean pissing off the internet costs you a million bucks in just a couple of days. That's not stupidly greedy. That's stupidly stupid. You need a more robust Valve is evil hypothesis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, he's he's so good. (laughs) Well, and I mean, this this is this guy. Like, he left Microsoft because he wanted to pour himself completely into the gaming community, you know, full time and not do it as like a side project. 
So, you know, for the, his community to feel like he was selling them out, like he took that really personally and immediately put a stop to it. Yeah. And doing a Reddit AMA is also just a sign of how not only confident that he has his finger on the pulse of gamers, or at least now he does, um, <laughs> and he, he often has in the past um, been very sensitive and very like I, I remember seeing a video, and maybe we can dig this up for the show notes, which you can still find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 65, um, where he was in a room with a whole bunch of deaf gamers. And he just had a mic, and he was walking around and asking questions about what it's like gaming deaf. And, you know, like, if you, have you played Valve games? Are they fun? What do you, what's irritating about them? What would help you enjoy them more? And, like, you could tell, like, this wasn't, like, some PR stunt of, like, Valve loves everyone. Um, but he, he really wanted to know, and he wanted to fix his games to be more fun for those that population of gamers. But also, it's not just, oh, he has a big heart, he's a great guy, but, like, his his methodical nature of, like, I'm going to think through these problems and actually solve them. And I think that's part of like that, that culture in Valve is why they've made some of the best games of all time and why their, their, their digital platform has been the best that I can think of. You know, I mean, I know Xbox. Oh, yeah. No, it, it kills. I mean, Xbox Live is good and, and PlayStation Network's come a long way, but Steam just kills them. Yeah, it's just so good. And, and, you know, now with Linux support, and I mean, I know that needs to come a lot further, but there's interesting challenges trying to support Linux that I'm not qualified to really speak to. But <laughs> needless to say, you know, they're hedging that because Microsoft might have been closing Windows down and making it more hard for Steam to succeed. So they're they're trying to have another shop set up in case they have to move. But... <laughs> Well, it's kind of like they, they're doing complicated things that are maybe for business reasons, but they're also for like the right reasons to actually serve their customers. So like in the, in the case of making Linux more approachable to gamers, they basically said, Hey, we want to sell you games and we want you to play games and we want you to mod games and we want you to game, 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 it a game, game, game. <laughs> and if windows isn't the place to do that, we're going to go somewhere else because we're not loyal to windows. We're loyal to games and gamers. And it's just that Windows happens to be the best place to do that. And the second they stop being the best place to do that, we're going to go somewhere else. And it's just, I like that they're super clear about what their mission is. And it's not like, oh, well, you know, guys, most games are on Windows, so we should probably stick with Windows. It's like, no, if they're going to burn that bridge, we're going to go the whatever direction serves our core audience. Yeah, and it's probably not going to be OS 10. Let's just be honest. Yeah, let, let's. Well, I think if you if you're being burned by one proprietary system, it would be fairly short sighted to be like, I'll go to a different proprietary system. <laughs> like if if you're going to leave Windows for you know lockdown reasons, <laughs> OS 10 is not your safe haven. And OS 10's problems are mostly neglect, not malice. It's their version of OpenGL is like ancient. And just this, the system itself is just not set up well for gaming. Yeah, I've always found it, and I'm sure someone who understands more about the OS could explain this to me, but I've always thought it was really interesting that in all throughout the like early 90s and then again in the late 90s and early 2000s after Steve Jobs came back, Macs were like the 
artsy creative computer right like oh you want to do graphics well you have to do it on a mac oh you want to do music oh you have to do that on a mac and like that was just but gaming has somehow like fallen totally flat it's like you can edit video you can edit still images you can edit sound but if you put those three things together and you call it a game it's suddenly it's like crap we'll give you chess be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, and I know a lot of publishers have have made an effort in recent years and that's awesome, but it's just the the platform is just somehow not set up as well. I don't totally well, understand. I mean, it. Apple doesn't maintain anything that would look like DirectX for like making it really easy to get performance out of a machine. And like I said, the version uh, of, yeah, the version of OpenGL is ancient and there's, you know, there's better newer versions that they yet to include and when you can't count on everyone that would be your customer having that (laughs) yeah that's i mean that's why i growing up i was always so much bigger into console gaming because you know a mario kart played the same on my super nintendo as it did on my neighbor's super nintendo because it was software designed specifically for that hardware and at the time, computing power was a little bit more of at a premium. I feel like now it's so ubiquitous. You don't yeah. have to be that like locked down and specialized, but that did give me a kind of narrow perspective on like, oh, you mean if I put a Super Nintendo cartridge in, it will always work, always, every single time? Yeah. I don't have, there's no drivers. There's no, I don't have to quit out of Windows into DOS. There's no bullshit. Like it just, it will work every time. Yep. Although I I did love Doom and I, I was willing to quit out of Windows into DOS to play Doom. And not the Super Nintendo version that was like ten frames per second. No, you know, I didn't even know that existed until I was like in my twenties. Like I just <laughs> I I think you were actually the person who was like, Oh yeah, Super Nintendo Doom and I was like, Wait, what? And I had to like find the <laughs> Wikipedia article about it. It's like uh the PlayStation version of Diablo, which was like a total mess. <laughs> yeah. It took up an entire memory card. You actually had to have a dedicated memory card to save a Diablo save. Or the, I think the best I can top that, since this is about topping each other, um, is uh, the N64 version of StarCraft. Did you ever see that thing? You, that cannot be a thing. That is a thing. To and the internet. It, and it has a two-player split-screen mode, which is insane. Oh, my God. So, Starcraft 64. We could do a series of ill-advised ports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just this is oh my god, these graphics. <laughs> this uh, this is uh this is confusing because not only did they obviously have to give up a lot of computing power to put this on the 64, but the controls, man, like what must have handling it's this must have been like driving a car with like puppeteering strings. Oh my god! I'm just, I can't. All right. Anyway, I don't want to get lost in all these sad screenshots. Um. So, Build happened this last week, and uh, if you're not familiar, Build is Microsoft's big developer conference. Uh, they've been doing it for a while, but I don't think anyone really gave a crap until like the last few years, to be perfectly honest. And this year, in particular, they actually announced a bunch of cool stuff. And I'm going to start with the sad thing, and then we can talk about the cool stuff. So the sad (laughs) thing is they showed a non-tethered version of the HoloLens. Uh, So, you know, when they first announced the HoloLens and they let people demo it, you were, like, tethered to this big battery and this big computer pack, and 
it was obvious that a lot of the processing was not happening in the helmet part. And that left a lot of people, myself included, kind of skeptical, like, oh man, is this... Yeah, you're like, is this still not a yeah, thing? Yeah, what's this going to be like when you're not, you know, hooked into the Matrix? And uh turns out my skepticism was apt because they showed a much sleeker, much smaller, it looks more like ski goggles version live on stage. And then they demoed it in like the little after show after the keynote and everyone who had previously praised it was like, yeah, no, because apparently to save on battery and computing power, you're, you basically have like blinders on. So there's all this cool crap floating around in the environment and you can interact with it and all like that, but it's like only directly in front of you. So if you have a video that's like off in your peripheral vision because you pinned it up to the wall and then you turned away, like you can't see it because you're not staring directly at it. Yeah. And this this just like this bums me out because this is like so representative of Microsoft's like shortcomings. Like they did all this research. They proved that this is a cool idea. They proved that it's possible and they even proved that people are like at least interested in the technology. But now that it's like time to put a product in the store soon, you know, probably this year, um, it's not going to be what came out of the lab. It's going to be like a kind of watered down version. I mean, this was yeah. how their first tablets were. This is how their first phones were. This is how their, um, the original Xbox, you know, was like a little bit watered down. Like it's, it's just, they can't quite ever take stuff out of Microsoft research and put it directly into market. There's always this like dilution. Yeah, that there's, happens. there's always this, some notable, noticeable, notable miss in execution that just kind of like, ah, oh, you're bumming me out, man. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what the alternative is. It's like, I'm not going to wear a giant like 10 pound backpack with a battery and a CPU in it and then goggles on my head. Like I might do that as part of like a, oh, is it a theme park? And they had like the HoloLens ride and I wore this thing for five (laughs) minutes. You put on a Ghostbusters outfit just to have a, a lens on your face. Yeah, but you know, like in a short spurt for like, oh, here's $10. I get to play with this thing for a minute and then it gets heavy and I take the stupid thing off. Like, that I could see, but no one's going to do that in their house. So they have to compromise and make it more um, comfortable, you know, lighter weight, no wires and, and look slightly less ridiculous. And, but that means dumbing down the coolness of the, the actual product. And that's just like, and now someone could very well come in and scoop them, you know, like Google or probably not Apple, but maybe valve, like somebody could come in and be like, Oh, augmented reality is a thing thanks microsoft research and then like get the killer product yeah i mean who else is i mean sony's got their project morpheus i mean these are full vr they aren't augmented reality but and then presumably the the tech would kind of jump i guess the venn diagrams are very close um yeah yeah if they're not overlapping they're right next door (laughs) and then facebook bought the the oculus rift and we haven't heard from them in a while so no, I'd, like, I'd heard a rumor about them doing like a virtual Facebook thing, but I then I never heard about it again. So I, I think that was know. either BS or what. I, I need to hear more of why that makes any sort of sense in any way. But maybe there's just some something they haven't revealed yet. Because what? Like I don't want this like Michael Crichton '90s VR fantasy of like 
opening file cabinets, <laughs> pulling a file out. This is your file. Um, I don't want to explore my computer. I want to use Alfred and I want to type two letters and press enter and have my thing in front of me. Yeah, I don't. I would way rather have uh, people working on the telepathy interface than giving me digital allegories in you know for physical items. Like it's it's cute and all, but I don't actually want that. Like yeah, it's like yeah, okay, that was neat. And even you can tell in in the Hololens demos, it's since it's augmented reality, everything has to be rooted in physical space. But it looks like at least from the demos that they tried very hard to uh, only do things that made sense. So like you can pin an object to a wall. So like, say you're, you're watching a video, you can tell the video to like stay on that wall and they're using the verb pin the way you would like put a pin in it so that it hangs on the wall. But you don't like have to dig through your little drawer and pull out a little digital <laughs> pin and then push it into the corner and oh, make sure it's straight. hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause that would be really stupid. It's totally doable. And I'm really glad they don't do that. Cause it would be dumb as hell. I, like, <laughs> cute for a second and then annoying forever after i still think the best ar ideas i've seen are not at home and i mean there's going to be good home uses but it's for the grocery store it's for i'm in a new conference center and i don't know where my room is can you overlay and point me where to go um these kinds of things make a lot of sense to me yeah and i mean i'm i'm interested in gaming applications because true uh, escape the the room (laughs) Yeah, escape the room or like, you know, you're uh, you're going for a run and every once in a while, like a Goomba appears in front of you and you got to like jump on it. Like that's I just I think that kind of stuff would be real life infinite runner. Yeah, why not? Like that would be the game. (laughs) There's no way that the battery could last as long as forest. Forest was a champion. Uh, So I don't I we have this this awesome list life hacker compiled. Um we don't have to talk about every single one of these, but I, I want to mention a couple I thought were interesting. Um, the Edge browser, I guess Edge is what they're calling their new browser. So they can keep the E logo. That's exactly the what they're saying. is like, oh, well, people associate that with getting onto the internet. And it's like, yeah, but they also associate it with Internet Explorer. Do you really want to... Do you want that association? <laughs> and yes. I, I don't, yes, I mean, do. do you, in your mind, is there any chance that this could possibly be worth switching off of Chrome for? No. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure someday I'll switch off Chrome. There was a time when I never thought I'd leave Safari or never leave Firefox, and I'd never use those browsers anymore. Literally never, unless I'm testing something and intentionally want to see it in other browsers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, it looks pretty, but and I'm sure it's a lot faster than IE was, and I'm I'm sure it's great. But the I was just talking to someone about this today. Like, if you don't have a problem with your current thing, switching to a new thing takes a lot of momentum. Because exactly. like, why I don't have any problem with the thing I have. Like, I have no incentive to switch. You're not solving any pain points. You're just promising to be as good. And it's like, well, I already, I already have as good by definition because I already have that thing. The only like, problem I have with Chrome is insane like processor and battery differences because Safari is more efficient. I get more than an hour more of battery. I just usually am not in a I'm going 12 hours today mode. So yeah. it's not big enough of a hit yet. 
But I could see on a conference day being like, maybe I'll rock safari just today, just to survive long enough. <laughs> you know, see, that's like the real nerd version of uh, Mad Max. It's like <laughs> the plugs are like just hundreds of miles apart. So you have to get every single ounce of juice out of your laptop, like brightness all the way down, keyboard backlight completely off, Dropbox not syncing. Like you got to eke out every drop of lithium goodness. And you're, you're, you're hugging the plug and someone's like roving <laughs> around you, going to take your base and kill you and your women and then plug into the wall. So I, there are other things on uh, from build that I could talk about, but is there? Do you, do you want to turn? Is there something so, yeah, that stood out to you? The most interesting to me was how Microsoft is going to extend and extinguish Android and iOS. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're they're making it really easy in theory to port Android and iOS apps to Windows. And to me, this is exactly the area Microsoft desperately needs to work on is they have no traction in mobile and by all accounts mobile is a humongous chunk of the future and you know if they if they don't do something they could just find themselves homeless you know like I mean Windows is still billions of installs I'm not being like crazy pants here about like Windows dying but they they They've been losing mobile hard for for ten years, and um, this is their their ploy. So what they're doing is um, you can use your existing Java or, or can't you also program in C for Android? I can't remember what languages. No, uh, Android, as far as I know, is just Java, and uh, then Objective C, and now Swift on iOS. Yeah, and so they're they're making it so you can take your existing code. And then you just need to swap out any APIs you use for new APIs that Microsoft will provide. So, you know, when you said access cloud data for username, and then it's like, oh, I'll just use the Microsoft line instead of um, the iOS iCloud line. And uh, basically, the idea is to reduce the friction and get apps into Windows. And I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if the apps will be strange and foreign existing as they are on Windows. But you can tell at this point Microsoft doesn't care. They have to get apps and they, they have to court developers. And, and they've done things in the past like just payment incentives and even that hasn't really worked. Um, so I don't know. What did you make of the, the, the mobile attack? Well, I I know a tiny bit more about Android development than iOS development. And what strikes me as odd about this is, so on Android, uh, the way Google handled fragmentation a couple of versions ago is they started pulling more and more functionality out of the core OS and putting it into the Google Play Services app because they can update that app whenever the hell they feel like it. So for example, like I have a 2013 Moto X. It still does not have Lollipop, which pisses me off every <laughs> single day. But I have a lot of the features that people associate with Lollipop because they're actually part of Google Play services, which means they were able to put them into you know, older versions of the OS kind of like under the radar. And uh, I mean, normal people do not need to know that that's how that works, but it's important for a developer because... A lot of what makes an Android a modern Android phone an Android phone is tied into Google Play services, which means if Microsoft is saying, oh, hey, you can just port your existing app and, and the API will work, that means that they're having to provide identically named API endpoints to what Google is offering. And yep. 
if they're actually going to undertake that endeavor, they are insane because that is the like least scalable way you can possibly maintain a platform is by trying to mirror your competitor's platform, not just feature for feature, but literally at the API level so that their code will cross compile. Like this is, if that's really how they plan on doing this, I either do not understand their solution or they do not understand the problem because I just don't see how they could possibly make that work long term. It's, I could see them doing it short term and saying like, oh, well, we'll always be within 18 months of the latest API. Just just come over, come over into our yard and, and play with our dog and yeah. come, come hang out. Well, the other you know, layer like, is that developers are still coding in their familiar languages, which may be like, yay, I don't have to learn something new. But it also means that there's they have to maintain a compiler that will will go crunch Objective C into something Windows understands, will crunch the Java, the Android Java, um, into something Windows will run, and so the, you've got another layer of complexity there um, that you've got to maintain. And then yeah, like you're saying, you know, iOS nine comes out, changes all the APIs, let's say, and now Microsoft has to completely re-engineer reactively to what Apple did. Yeah, which is not an easy thing to do in something that's totally open source, but then when you have a closed source API like uh, like on iOS, that means you have to look at the way the API responds and guess how it works on the back end and then try and mirror that based on the response. So it's like if I say to you, two plus two and then you say back four like i don't know if you have a calculator or if you count it on your fingers i don't know if you just memorized the answer yeah, and it APIs, was like a call and response apis are built so that you don't have to know what is happening on the other side yeah unless you're doing some like really low level stuff you generally just want to know what the api returns not exactly how it calculated it yeah, and and the other element here is you may be thinking, oh, Android's open, but Google Play Services is not open, so it's exactly not exactly like, right. It's not like the AOSP where you have full documentation and source code for what's happening. So this will be interesting. Um, maybe we just don't understand this. If someone really knows deeply why we're wrong about this, I would love to know why, but. Um, it's more like I'm seeing Microsoft flail in the mobile market, not questioning their dominance of desktops, their install base. That you know they're going to release Windows 10 and it'll have billions of installs by the end of the year. Um, not doubting that whatsoever, but they are losing mobile, and at some point, this is going to really hurt them. Yeah, I think so. There's actually uh, to kind of tie off uh, to this this development thing they're pushing, but I want to say first. Um, they are losing mobile right now. They are trying to attack it in a very different way with Windows 10, which is this, um, what do they call it? Is it continuum? Is that it? Um, yes. It's, it's not continuity because that's the Apple version. Yeah. So this thing, Continuum, it at first blush, it looks like, oh, yeah, I can start writing an email on my phone, and then, oh, look, the same email is there on Outlook on the desktop. Wow, that's exactly like what Apple just announced or what like Google has had for years. And it doesn't seem that impressive, but what it really is is a way to showcase uh, what they're calling universal apps or universal Windows apps or whatever they're calling them this week. And... <laughs> 
what that allows you to do, and other companies have made this promise before, no one has ever delivered. So this is not a new idea. I hope they just actually execute it well. What they're saying is, oh, you can take your phone that has like Microsoft Word installed on your Windows phone and you dock it and now it has a keyboard and a monitor and now you will see the full version of of Microsoft Word. So the full version was actually there all the time, but the interface was custom to the input methods you had and the screen you had. But then when you have different screen and different input methods, even if it's the same physical device, now you will get a different interface. So what they're promising is like apps responsive that's, apps. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Responsive apps, stuff that scales up and down, not just in appearance, but in functionality. And that's a really, really tall order, like a really yeah. tall order to put on developers. So I don't know if they're going to require this, like if they're going to say your app has to be universal or if they're going to have a way to sandbox it. So like, you know they, which apps are not universal. Are they really in the position to add hurdles to creating mobile apps? <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. Like they're going to have to enforce some measure of, of quality. Well, no, they aren't. Because <laughs> the current Windows Store is a total joke. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, isn't uh, that scratch that last part. What you just described where you dock a phone, you get a desktop interface. Isn't that what the Ubuntu phone was promising as well? Yes, which I have heard absolutely zero about. So I don't know if it yeah. just doesn't deliver or if it does it so well that nobody even talks <laughs> about it. I could have called that as vaporware or will be irrelevant in the market when I heard well, about it, even yeah, if I mean, it's a cool it, idea. Android has tried this. Uh, I think the Moto Axis or something, there's been a couple different Android phones that when you dock the phone into this little screen keyboard thingy, um, the phone acts as the brains and then the screen has power and you have a keyboard and a mouse and it's a big touch display and it behaves a little bit differently, but it's still really at the core of it. It's just bigger Android, you know? It's you've turned your phone size screen into like a laptop size screen, but it's it doesn't the apps all still function the same. Yeah. I mean, maybe like an app like Pocket is like, oh, I have more real estate, so I'll have a slightly different layout, but there's no additional functionality. And that's really the difference is it's not just having it look a little different. It has to actually give you something in desktop mode you didn't get in mobile mode besides the screen's bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I don't you know, I'm I'm really I'm I'm very impressed with the way Microsoft has been behaving since Balmer got out and uh, and and Satya Nadella came in, but there's still so much that's like I don't I don't know if any of this is going to be successful like and I I want you guys to be successful cuz I feel like you're making smart decisions and I want those to be rewarded. I think there's there's kind of a a sadly earned skepticism around Microsoft that we we're all expecting them to fail, even if we're kind of rooting for them to 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 show uh, to like deliver on their promise. But I, I think there's there's been so many hits lately, and uh, not hits in the good sense. There's been so many knocks lately <laughs> that everyone's kind of flinching. Like uh, I don't want to get excited. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's tough because it, I mean you know it's like a once bitten, twice shy, fool me once, shame on you kind of thing, and it's. <laughs> I mean, I've I've had a long, happy history with Microsoft, and then as I got uh, into more advanced technology, I found my comfort level with Microsoft products going down and down, and that's not 
a direct knock at them because it's also like the kinds of environments I was playing in. But there's like looking back when I decided like, oh, what language do I want to start learning to develop in? Well, I, I like Ruby. Ruby seems like a great language. What platform does that work well on? Well, POSIX systems. So you either have to use OS 10, which is what most people use, or you can use a Linux machine, which will also work great. Well, I, I have this Windows 7 machine. Can I do Ruby development on here? Nah. technically yeah. don't do it don't do it yeah, exactly and that's the, it's like oh well this you know i mean it's no different than a, a game right it's like oh, i really want to play um the latest sonic game which platform is it on i have a super nintendo well it doesn't work on a super nintendo yeah. it's like well i don't i'm not loyal to the the platform i'm loyal to the stuff built on the platform and if microsoft doesn't have any cool stuff built on its platform or I should say at least stuff that's not uh, appealing to me, then I'm going to go to a different platform. And let's just like, f- to be super clear on how sad the mobile apps are, um, the, I, I have a Surface from work, and like the, the Windows App Store app for Twitter hasn't been updated in like two years. And it, Man, it's, that's a long time even for Twitter. Yeah, it's not like, and I, I don't know, I should check on the, the Mac app for Twitter because it may be that old too. But um, Maybe they're just not doing apps anymore. But there's like heavy hitter big companies that are like, nah, they can use the web browser. Screw them. Yeah. Well, didn't, did the Facebook app get abandoned? Um, in Windows Phone? Uh, no, on, uh, on Windows. Oh, almost surf, like certainly. Yeah, isn't Microsoft like a huge investor in Facebook? Like that's doubly insulting. Yeah, well, it's like Ford, which has some, you know, management ties to Microsoft. Is are kind of like, yeah, this whole sync thing. Yeah, we don't oh, want it anymore. God, have you ever used it? It's awful. <laughs> it's I rented a car. I was going to like a wedding or something, and I had to rent a car, and it had Microsoft Sync, and I was just like, oh, that's neat. And then after like two blocks, I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> This, this is why there's so much skepticism because they do ship crap and then that's eventually stinks enough that your new shiny thing and everyone's still smelling the last disaster. And <laughs> like, you know, and Apple also ships crap, but it's so rare that like they get the benefit of the doubt. And so like no one really knows if the Apple watch is going to succeed, though it seems like it is. Um, but they get the benefit of the doubt and like Apple would never have shown the HoloLens in its current state. They would, they don't want you to see it until you, it's already at your doorstep and you paid for it a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we rightfully so, but unintentionally so turned a little down on Microsoft. I want to mention two things they're doing (laughs) that I do that came out of build that I think are really good. Um, One of them, since we're talking about all this cross platform stuff is, uh, visual studio, um, which if you are an IDE person, so if you, if you're a developer and you like to use a developer environment, visual studio is very highly regarded. Um, I mean, you have to be typically doing web or windows development to want to use it at all, but it's even among people who are like, Oh, Microsoft sucks. So yeah, visual studio is pretty good though. Um, I, I don't know why it's just that tool has always been really successful for them. And, they came out with a light version that they're calling visual studio code. That's for web development specifically. And they're going to launch it on Mac and Linux for free. And 
the underlying system that makes it run and makes it so easy to be cross-platform is the Chromium engine. Yeah. So it's like, I can't even believe I had to just say all those words in a sentence and that sentence then made sense. Like yeah. <laughs> m- the company Microsoft is making a product for Apple that's based on Google's Chrome. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, a, my brain is having trouble putting it together. It's the world they live in. I like but this I, humbled Microsoft, just like I, I want yeah. Apple to get humbled sometimes so that they stop doing stupid shit. Well, I just love the idea of, of Microsoft saying like, hey, you know how everyone loves our IDE? Wouldn't it be cool if we put it in front of more people and then told them that if they wanted an even cooler version, they'd have to come develop on our platform? Like that's because one worst case scenario, you just made the web a better place by putting a good development environment out there. Best case scenario, then people want to come and like use the full version and write, you know, C sharp apps and, and .NET apps and C plus plus apps and all the windowsy stuff. And like, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of opportunity to win in terms of actual like technology improvements. And it's just a huge PR, win. but they can't forward sync it. So you have to actually follow through and make people love it. Um, Agreed. Yes. Because I mean, that was the rhetoric Steve jobs uttered when they ported iTunes to windows. And that is just kind of the laughing stock. Now, if anyone even thinks of iTunes anymore, um, you're like <laughs> iTunes on Windows, yeah. Fuck that. I don't want to use that. It was so. I mean, granted, I hate iTunes on OS 10, but it was even worse on Windows, which is like an accomplishment. And you know what Jobs said about it? He said it's like offering someone a glass of ice water in hell. <laughs> yes. That's how smug the bastard was about porting <laughs> iTunes to Windows. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the last thing Microsoft really gave to OS ten was Internet Explorer five. And every five years, they kind of drop a, a turd of Office on <laughs> us and then forget it for another five years. Yeah. It's not. It's not a good relationship. But here's another good thing they did. <laughs> Because it's not all bad news. They uh, they announced that in Windows 10, the Windows Store apps um, will be all installed in sandbox environments, which uh, basically means like you go into the store and you find something and you're like, oh, this game looks fun. And you kind of flippantly just click through. Yeah, I agree to terms of service. Here's my social security number, whatever. <laughs> and then that goes into a sandbox environment. So at least it can't pollute the rest of your system. And it's easy to uninstall and like actually completely uninstall it, which if you've ever had to do anything on Windows, like after an irresponsible person had touched that Windows machine, it's a mess. Like yeah. you have to go with the nuclear option. You're like, just burn it down, reinstall Windows and start over. So the fact that they're doing the sandbox thing is, I mean, it's smart. It's good for their users, but I think it also sings to technical people like, hey, this will make Windows systems less prone to being overwhelmed by some like free ringtone app that yeah. somebody downloads. <laughs> And then they blame your app for being slow. <laughs> yeah, because you know stuff just gets in there and it makes the actual good stuff run like garbage because that uses real CPU power and the crap yeah. just keeps calling home to some ad service. It's just, yeah, th- this is 
if this works well, which I think it will, because Windows has has never really had a problem with sandboxing. The reason sandboxing has been hard to do on Windows is because they had to support legacy stuff, and the legacy stuff didn't handle sandboxing very well. Man, this is a broken record with Microsoft. There, yeah. it's I get it's a strength in business. You care about legacy. That's why Apple has zero foothold in business. Um, they also don't really manage fleets of devices well, which Microsoft has also done amazingly well at. But man, legacy, sometimes it just sucks. <laughs> well, and I think they built in this sandboxing functionality kind of like from the ground up. So even legacy stuff will still kind of exist in its own little cordoned off of environment. Course. But that means they're trying Do you want to, to enable IE compatibility mode. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they're trying to say like, listen, anything you develop for this platform has to be completely sandboxed and any of your legacy stuff is going to go into like the big legacy sandbox. So at least it can't pollute everything else. Yeah, it can only pollute other legacy crap. So, I mean, it's, it's a big step in a, a like reestablishing that trust. I mean, this is the same thing with the edge browser is like they're trying to admit like, OK, Internet Explorer got a lot better after version eight, but the internet Explorer brand was permanently tarnished. So this is their way of saying like, listen, we understand we weren't doing the web, right? We're going to try harder now. Yeah. So it's like that. I mean, humbled is definitely the right word. Like you, you've described it perfectly. They're trying to admit we fucked up. Super sorry about that. If you give us another chance, we will not continually slap you about the face and neck. (laughs) And uh, to uh, to be perfectly honest, I want more. I mean, we have great browser competition these days, and I want that to continue. I don't. I don't want Chrome or anything to be like ninety percent of the market. Well, and I've I've realized that part of the reason I want browser competition is so that more robust web apps, which I want because I don't like installing crap, I want more robust web apps to be able to rely on web standards and not make me install plugins yeah like every time i use a service that's like oh just install this little tiny plugin i'm like god damn it why couldn't you just (laughs) use web standards and if there aren't web standards that do the thing you're trying to do then the web is not ready for the thing you're trying to do (laughs) and i mean i know you have to push the envelope to get the standards to catch up but like i use two or three different web conferencing tools in any given month because of different like clients I have to talk to and stuff. So I have like freaking 20 different things installed depending on who I'm talking to and which platform they want to talk to me on. And just like all of these things just pass audio and video back over the internet. Why do I have more than one installed? Yeah. Um, we should keep moving. I think we, we have to talk about Tesla. I, I think we absolutely have to. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe one other thing if, if we decide that we haven't, burned all the midnight oil. <laughs> um, so Tesla gave a presentation and I, w- I want to talk about what he announced, but I mostly want to talk about his presentation because it yeah, was no, amazing. That, that's fair. So here, I'll, I will explain to the, the listening world what he announced and then it sounds like your reaction is, is very reaction, guys. Um, so uh, Tesla, um, Elon Musk, CEO, came out and announced... Uh, a product that they're calling the Power Wall. And it is a giant lithium ion battery about the size of like a large television. And you mount it on your wall, either inside or outside. 
because uh, it's totally weatherproof and it connects to a solar system or a wind uh, windmill system and stores power and then you can run your house completely off the grid and this is a big part of their push to you know reduce fossil fuel reliance and fossil fuel consumption and uh, they wanted it to be highly functional and beautiful and something that um, was temperature controlled so that you didn't have to like stick it in a specific spot in the garage and make sure that it was cool. And if it was a hot day, you had to put a fan on it. Like all these problems that solar systems have had that they were trying to solve. And, uh, it seems like a really cool product. And, uh, Elon Musk is just a joy to listen to. Oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I, number one, it was like an 18 minute presentation. Everyone take notes. Yeah. So already a win. <laughs> Um, TED Talks have it right. Whether whatever you think of the actual TED Talks, short is better. Be short with your presentation. Um, but so <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. First of all, there's a supercut of him laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't strike me as someone who really prepares to present. I think he just sort of gets up and he's like, yeah, I know all about the product because I'm a genius and I'm just going to talk about it. <laughs> so he's starting off and he's showing like you know, how we have catastrophic escalation in the CO2 levels in our atmosphere. And someone like from the crowd yells, that sucks. <laughs> and he just, he just <laughs>, laughs and goes, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you notice that? Cause we, we linked to uh, I think it's actually a verge article that has this YouTube video embedded and uh, you can find the link to this Verge article in the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 65. But um, <laughs> it, the audience he's presenting to is like very comfortable yelling things they're, at they're him. They're very adoring of him. Which... They are. It's like, I mean, it might as well be Elvis up there presenting. <laughs> they're just like, we love you, Elon. And he's like, I know it. <laughs> but so he, he's presenting like these different like strategies to solve the energy problem to stop relying on destroying fossil fuels and polluting the environment just to get energy and uh <laughs> he has these chapters on his presentation he's like part one the sun <laughs> and he's like it turns out we have this big fusion reactor you know near our planet that's just like it comes to work every day it wakes up in the morning and it works its ass off just showering <laughs> us with energy and like the way he's describing it you're like yeah the sun is just this consistent hard worker and we're just like nah i don't want you i don't i'm gonna hire this really lazy guy over here that like craps all over the earth instead of you son <laughs> and uh, just the way he was describing it was really informative and like just like oh yeah we need to use that thing that's gonna outlast us all by billions of years and it's just well, showering us with energy it, it was also super approachable because the way he talked about like how much power the world consumes and then how much land mass it would take to cover so if you had solar panels on X amount of square miles of land, you could power the whole world. Well, how much land would that be? And he just had a very simple <laughs> map of the United States with a little blue square in the middle of Texas. And he was like, that's all it would take. He's like, if we had solar panels and wind over that you know, square mileage, however many hundreds of square miles that is, that could power everything <laughs> and on top of that he, he was explaining how most of this would be on rooftops so it wouldn't even be like necessarily have to dig or find open land for it you can yeah use you don't have to go buildings. into the the wastelands of the deserts and you should use existing buildings like what other purpose is your roof 
currently serving other than to just keep the rain off your head yeah. like it you you can increase the utility of the top of a building tremendously <laughs> by adding solar panels but like the, the sheer simplicity and almost flippancy with, with him going like yeah the sun <laughs> um, reminded me of that ask reddit that was like um, which cereal mascot would win in a fight and <laughs> The top answer was, oh, Raisin Bran, because their mascot's the motherfucking sun. And no one can even approach it without being extinguished. Um, that is, I, I'm not a huge Raisin Bran guy, but every time I see a box now, I'm like, he'd win. Yeah. He would totally win. Um, and then he goes into chapter two, Elon Musk, and he's like, all right, the second big problem is batteries. And he like showed like typical batteries and he's like the basic idea behind batteries is they suck (laughs) (laughs) and you got a really good laugh out of the audience for that but i don't know i just he didn't talk about like what makes old batteries less efficient or any like because we all know that current battery technology sucks like you're talking technology people we're intimately aware of current battery technology yeah and just i don't know his presentation style like since i felt like i could trust this guy to be actually telling the truth about these things i just exceedingly enjoyed his his way of being on the stage and like yeah i want to talk about his tech and maybe we'll have a few minutes to do that but i mostly wanted to talk about damn what a good presentation well and the the thing that he did to me that was a big deal is is i i've followed him somewhat closely compared to how i would follow like most company ceos which would be not at all and not even know who they are (laughs) but because he he's just this interesting figure like he's very smart and he's very open in public and it's just like i want to hear more smart things so i can support your businesses and because i agree with like his vision and what he's trying to do and at the end of his presentation so he talked about the battery and he talked about it in homes but then he talked about well what if we had this battery and you could scale it up and put as many of them in one array as you needed to and then you could just power everything because at first it's like, well, we can't put this beautiful device you've built on every single home. And he's kind of like, yeah, you could. But then on top of it, he's <laughs> like, but you don't even have to do that because we invented this like rack mounted version and you could just have like a, a building full of these and cover the building in solar panels and then pipe that energy into homes instead of piping them fossil fuel created energy. And this is this is what he did. This was like just so Elon Musk like he's the one presenter I've ever seen that can do a version of the one more thing that doesn't feel <laughs> like a rip off of Steve Jobs. So at like the 10 minute marker somewhere toward the end of the presentation he's like, you know, and he shows it cuz I mean he has the thing on stage with him like the big battery like the business class version i guess and he, he points to it and he's like so uh I, th- I think we should convert all the power in this building to be on the battery so that we can you know practice what we preach and, and get off the local grid here uh i think they were in la or someplace and uh so he goes live to the you know a camera that's outside where this array has been set up and there's a little power meter in front and it's like on one end, it says like, you know, the Tesla power wall. And on the other end, it says the grid and the power the little indicator is all the way on to the Tesla side. And Elon Musk just like, a, like a little kid. He's just like, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, we've actually been powering this presentation all night. I think the phrase he uses is 
all you have seen and heard tonight has been powered by the sun. <laughs> it's just like, it's amazing. Like he's just this like delighted, like child genius. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I know we're like geeking out and, and, and <laughs> we, we are, <laughs> what, what more could you ask for? <laughs> Definitely one of the most interesting people and companies today, always watching what Tesla's doing. Oh, can, can I mention one more amazing thing that he did? Yeah. So uh, when the Tesla car was really starting to hit its stride, he made a very big deal about open sourcing all the patents so that other companies could make electric cars based on Tesla's patents. And because he, he believes in the vision more than he believes in the company. He wants the vision to be successful, even if it's not his company that's successful, which to me is like... It's kind of the hallmark of like an actual hero. Like, yeah, he he wants the world to win because he's part of the world. He personally doesn't want to win. He wants everyone to win. So after he announced the this Gigafactory and he showed the 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 picture of the big building covered in solar panels and he talked about how it's full of these batteries and it's going to produce more batteries and it's going to be a completely carbon neutral facility because it's going to power itself to produce power for other power consuming powerness and. Then he was just kind of like another one more thing moment where he was just like, oh, by the way, um, all the patents for the batteries and the Gigafactory are all open source. So uh, any company that wants to build a Gigafactory, please, please, please go build one. Yeah. Here's we did all the work for you. You literally just have to pour the cement and hook up the wires and you too can have a Gigafactory. Like just go build one. And he was very clear. Like you could, I really felt like he doesn't want to win. He wants humanity to win. Like he is really trying to accomplish something noble. So I just remember one of his best jokes was that we shouldn't win the Darwin award as a species. (laughs) Yes, he did drop that one. And you could tell there were some people in the audience who like immediately got it. And there were a couple other people who were like, wait, Oh, I like the stupid people. He doesn't want us to die because we're stupid. Okay. <laughs> Very funny, Mr. Musk. And not just us, but a lot of other species um, yeah, are going to win the award go, on our behalf. Or, yeah, if humans go down, uh, we're taking everybody with us. Like, <laughs> you, you know we will not go quietly into that good night. <laughs> uh, so we're really long into an episode, and I still want to talk about one last thing. Okay, and I I think you know we talked our way into this mess. We'll talk our way out, <laughs> um, and that's this Miyamoto video um, that's here in our notes. And <laughs> so, listener, if you're not a gamer, Miyamoto Shigeru Shigeru Miyamoto, I can't whatever. It's close enough. <laughs> um, inventor of Mario and Zelda, and you know, long time still works at Nintendo. Created a ton of the franchises everyone knows and loves. Um, is still an amazing man. And every time I see one of these stories, I'm not surprised, but I am delighted afresh. Um, Watching him enjoy games like a little kid or watching him with kids enjoying games. Um, So set this up. So what's happening in this video? Uh, So he basically sat down to play a custom level made by... is it a fan? Was it another developer? Like so someone this is just- their upcoming game. It's the Mario maker where it's a level designer for Mario that they're going to release. You know, I'm so used to seeing hacked Mario levels. I actually forgot that they released their own Mario hacker. 
Yeah, yeah I don't no, think the, it's out yet, but no, it's yeah. But I mean, you know, there's the the developers have access right. to it. So yeah, so somebody built this this crazy like impossibly difficult, mainly because it's confusing and stupid level, and uh, and then he just like played it live on stage and just got his ass handed to him <laughs> over and over. And he del- every time he dies, he just laughs and smiles like he's so happy. <laughs> and it makes me so happy to watch him be happy. And it just reminded me of a, an E3 picture where he's playing a Wii U game with two other very young looking, you know, like 10 or 12 year old gamers. And the look of glee on all of their faces in this picture um, it's like, oh, that's why I'm a gamer. That's why I love Nintendo. That's why I love Miyamoto. And like, when he dies, it's going to be like Spielberg dying, or you know, someone like that, uh, Walt Disney dying. Like, you're just like, man, we just lost one of the most greatest people we've ever had. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking him laughing and having a good time and making it a total bummer. <laughs> well, you oh. wrote you wrote in our notes, Miyamoto dies, and then there's more to the <laughs> sentence. But I like I almost had a heart attack because I'm gonna you know I've never met the man I don't know him personally but I'm probably gonna cry when he dies. Yeah, it will it will be a tremendous loss because I, I feel like he uh, he's not really a celebrity in like the traditional sense, but people who know him have this incredible reverence for him, and he his creations will vastly outlive him, which means you know, long after he's gone, generations of people will still be hearing about him because they'll be like, Oh, this, this is the guy that invented Mario. And you're gonna be like, Oh, that franchise that's on like the 800th installment. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, God, how complicated will the Mario game titles be a hundred years from now? <laughs> They'll have to be like a paragraph long. It'll just be a QR code. Don't, don't even don't <laughs> you're done. Take us out, Michael. All right. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to episode 65 of Flipping Tables. We are ever thankful. And if you made it this far and you're listening to this, even better. Um, you can check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 65. You may have heard us say that a few times during the episode. Um, we love feedback. So get on Twitter and tweet at us. Um, I'm Mike Edwards. My Twitter handle is Medwards Music until I eventually trademark Michael and steal it back from the abandoned account that's there. And Lions, what's your name? I am at Lions in beta. And, uh, you know, while you're tweeting at us and if you, if you have the show notes open, you might as well subscribe. So if you, if you have a smartphone and Android or an iOS or even Windows phone, presumably has a podcasting app, um, you can use our RSS or iTunes buttons on our website from your mobile device and you can subscribe. And that way, new episodes free, always going to be free and will be delivered to your phone every week automatically. You don't have to think about it. And then when you're on your commute into your lovely job, you can listen to us rant on the way. Um, you also don't have to be commuting to listen to us. Just FYI. It's true. It's an either or situation, but never both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then if, if you really uh, are enjoying what we're doing, um, we would love your support. So if, uh, we have a Patreon running. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, you can pledge certain numbers of dollars a month to support us and keep the shows coming. And uh, depending on your level, you might get your name called out. And there are several people that have reached that level. So we want to give some special love and thanks to Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, and Andreas Langa. 
without this, without your guys' support, um, this would be harder to do. So we love you guys. We do. We love each and every one of you. So that's it. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you.